When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to HuffPost's weekly podcast, Am I Making You Uncomfortable? Presented by me, Rachel Moss. And me, Brogan Driscoll. This podcast is a frank, honest conversation about women's bodies, health and private lives. We cover underreported issues and tackle the topics you're too squeamish to talk to your mates about. This week, we'll be talking about body hair with Rhiannon Styles and Aisha Merza. If you want to join the conversation on social media, use the hashtag AIMYU. I went to an all-girls school, so it was the norm to be hairless from the eyebrows down and I never really questioned that. But about two years ago, I did January to challenge myself and to fight against this idea that women have to be hairless. And I realised that I don't like hair on my face. I think it's because my hair is so dark, but I didn't mind the hair on the rest of my body. So from that point on, I started to grow it out and only shave it when I wanted to. And some people don't like that and they make comments, but I don't really care. And to be honest, I find it quite empowering to have hair on my body. But the thing that makes me feel conflicted is when I think about what my boyfriend might think or what his preferences might be. And obviously I want to be attractive to him, but it hurts to shave and wax and it's not the norm to be a hairy woman. So that's my conflict. I think I became aware that body hair was even a thing that women think about or we're told we're supposed to think about at actually quite a young age. It was in primary school and we were in year six and girls were starting to shave their legs. And I remember it being this big event, like every week in PE, seeing who joined the club that week. And there were some girls who were laughed at for not shaving their legs. And that has really stuck with me. And it just shows how young all this starts. And at that point in my life, I hadn't shaven my legs, but I'm white and I'm also fair haired. And I essentially got away with it. No one called me out on it. I wasn't bullied for it at all. And it was only really when we were planning this episode that I realized that experience was probably one of my first experiences of sexism but also one of my first times recognising white privilege. But I do remember having this really strong feeling of feeling lucky that no one had noticed my leg hair, feeling really sorry for my classmates who were getting picked on for it, and also feeling really scared that someone would notice mine. It's just terrible when you think about those things. Before I even realised that I had a choice as to whether to shave my legs and armpit hair or or whatever or remove hair I'd already done it it wasn't something that I realized I had any sort of agency over really like I kind of just I can't even remember when I started removing my body hair but my friends were like my mum does so I kind of just followed in their footsteps without really questioning it at all which is quite awful to think about it I remember as well I was an au pair in 
Paris when I was at uni, I looked after two girls, they were eight and nine, and I remember taking them to like a beautician's down the street um, oh, wow. to have their legs waxed because they were basically oh, being God. bullied at school. And uh, and I and I remember th- thinking like how young that was basically, but their mum said, you know, they'd come home really upset from school and she said, you know, she'd rather them get their legs waxed than kind of try and do it themselves one day, which, yeah, it's kind of, it's just... It, I, I kind of felt really conflicted about it at the time. Again, like, you know, I'm really fair haired. I, I don't have much hair like on my body. And um, to the extent that I've got such little um, arm hair, it's like so you can't really see it. And I've kind of had people compliment me on that. Um, and so a lot of people, weird. I know it's so weird. And I've had friends be like, oh, do you shave your arms? But the fact that I'm kind of complimented for not having to, you know, for not having to do it is is such a kind of problematic thing. And I've never really know how to respond to that because I can't, you know, it's just quite an odd, it's just quite an uncomfortable topic, I think. And, and um, but not one that I've had to think about very much. So I've not really, I've kind of had that privilege of not having to think about it too much, but it's so ingrained in my like behavior. Um, it's just quite, a, it's quite an icky, troublesome issue. Definitely. Yeah. I am similar to you in that I have shaved for a long time and I always kind of thought that I shaved by choice as well. I really used to prescribe to that idea and I still do to some extent, but I prescribe to that idea that you're not a bad feminist if you shave. Actually, you're just a bad human being if you judge someone for shaving. You know, it comes down to like, don't judge women for what they do with their bodies. If they want to, great. If they don't want to, fine. But Having said that, I have started to question my own motivations a little more in the last couple of years with the body hair movement starting to come out a bit more. And there was this absolutely great essay in Bustle last year by a journalist called Kim Wong-Shing. And it was called, I thought I shaved my body hair by choice until I came out as queer. And that essay was all about her realizing that she had shaven herself for 15 years just because of cis male desire and societal expectations around that and as soon as she came out and got more ingrained in the queer community she realized she didn't have to anymore and reading that as a straight woman was also quite illuminating because it made me think oh my god am I doing it just to be desirable to men and made me question my motivations and how autonomous I actually am over this have I just ingrained or internalized misogyny about women and body hair you can end up in such a rabbit hole if you think about this stuff like there is there are some really dark sides to it like porn being one of them obviously we we can't have a conversation about body hair without addressing white privilege as well we've both touched on it a bit There are loads of famous women who've proudly grown out their body hair. Perhaps the most famous are Madonna, Miley, Grimes. They're all white women. There's also the, you know, the January campaign started by Laura Jackson. That campaign's brilliant. But again, she's another white woman. I don't want to um, take away from any of these women at all because I think more power to them. What they're doing is great. But I do wonder whether they would have still been able to grow out their hair or start these campaigns if they'd been women of colour. You know, do we also make space for non-white women to be able to grow their body hair? I think that's something that I really want to get into in today's episode. In having this conversation, we really need to make sure all 
women and non-binary people have a place at the table, trans women, women of colour. It, it really isn't just a cis white women thing. Absolutely. I completely agree with you. I think that it's important to point out as well, some of the women that you mentioned just now, Rach, have had such a huge backlash about daring to bear their armpit hair, uh, which weirdly all rhymed. Um, <laughs> and it's just so heartbreaking that women's bodies are so police. And uh, although we have spoken about the politics of body hair previously um, on HuffPost and previously in this podcast, it's just an issue that we need to keep addressing. And I think something we wanted to kind of um, explore in this episode is like, what is it about body hair that makes us so uncomfortable? Whether you choose to grow it, whether you choose to remove it partly or entirely is kind of, um, should be an individual's choice, but it's such a complicated and nuanced topic that it is really important for us to talk about. Growing up in a judgmental society, I didn't have a good relationship with my body hair. I felt really insecure and embarrassed about it, and I would always have thoughts of waxing it all off. But then I reached that point in my life where I realized that there are things beyond our control, and with that in mind, I stopped worrying about what other people might think, and I eventually built a strong relationship with myself and began to love my body hair more. From then on, I have been trying my best to encourage other women to love their body hair as well and to not let society dictate what they should do with their bodies. Now we're joined by British artist, performer and writer Rhiannon Styles. She had a popular column for Elle magazine, which she then turned into a memoir in 2017, called The New Girl, A Trans Girl Tells It Like It Is. As a public speaker, Rhiannon uses her media profile to raise awareness of issues surrounding transgender people. Rhiannon, thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome. So we were talking a bit about the body hair movement before you joined, about how there's a growing number of people sharing their body hair on Instagram, their armpit hair. Some are even getting glitter and rainbows involved and all of those things. What do you think about that movement in general? What's your take on it? Mm, I think it's great. And I think it's really important that people have a place to showcase that. And Instagram is like the perfect platform for it. If that's what people want to do with their hair, I think they should actually go for it 100%. Glitter and rainbows sound absolutely amazing. I just think whenever I've had glitter in my uh, hair on my head, it's such a nightmare to wash it out. <laughs> and it like ends up on your pillow for like weeks afterwards. So um, true. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I'm very happy for it, but I'm also like, oh, scratchy. I wanted to know, do you think that the movement is inclusive enough, particularly for trans women? It's kind of a, um, obviously something that body hair on Instagram has been something that's been discussed for a really long time. And um, we think that kind of predominantly the voices on there are white, cisgender women. And I've wondered whether you feel that there's kind of any more that can be done to make this movement feel more inclusive. Yeah, I mean, I think... I don't think it alienates the trans community, but I don't think the trans community are engaging with it, particularly the trans women or trans femme movements, because I think, and I speak on behalf of myself, in terms of my transition, I wanted to move away from what was already there. So in that sense, um, 
although obviously both men, women and other people have hair all over their bodies, like for me, it was very important to kind of step away from what was already existing in that sense. And I think that's possibly why I don't know many trans women that would probably engage with that movement to that extent because things like uh, leg hair, things like armpit hair, they are um, cultural, I suppose, signifiers of masculinity in some places. And I think I can't see myself ever embracing it in terms of a political statement. When I moved to Berlin a few years ago, I had a big awakening because there was actually lots of uh, women in this city that have hairy legs. And it's really embraced in the queer and trans community here. And that was a, I think that's vastly different to what I ever saw in the UK. Do you, th- do you think that growing out, growing out your body hair um, is a privilege that's kind of unique to cis women? I know you mentioned earlier um, that, that, you know, certain types of body hair is like a cultural signifier of masculinity. Um, but we were quite interested to hear about how, or Juno Roche has, has said that hair removal for trans women is not just about kind of um, vanity or, or, or self-expression, but um, an issue of personal safety. And I just really wanted to hear what your thoughts were on that. I absolutely agree with that. And I think it is something that is afforded to potentially only heterosexual cis women um and that's the reason why as as I said earlier I couldn't see many trans women engaging with that because because trans women are being murdered all the time and are suffering violent transphobic attacks whether that be uh over the internet or whether that be in real life and so for a trans woman to embrace leg hair to embrace armpit hair and to be seen in public embracing that, that's a huge statement and that runs risks depending on where you are in the world. And I think I see lots of non-binary people in Berlin embracing the hair trend on their legs, but I know from friends that they also suffer huge amounts of transphobia in certain areas. So it really runs the risk for trans people. And I don't think that's why I don't grow out my hair but I understand for many that that's just not an option that's afforded to people at all Mm, yeah definitely safety is obviously such a huge part of this and such an important thing to bring up we've also heard from some trans women when we've been planning this episode who have decided to grow out their body hair or keep their body hair and have then been criticised for it for more of an aesthetic thing, you know, on social media, for example. When we when we heard these stories, it really kind of highlighted that trans women obviously aren't immune to gender policing around body hair. Do you think there's pressure to conform within the trans community itself as well? Yeah, absolutely. I think sometimes trans women are wrongly blamed for reinforcing gender stereotypes. But time and time again... We often need to because we are uh, suffer from prejudice and misogyny at the same time in ways that uh, cis women just don't. And our identities are policed because if we don't fit into a prescribed binary, then we are ridiculed for that. And that just proves the point that that's why a lot of people would not engage with this movement because the fear of that. 
and the fear of that alienation. We also, it's a, it's, a, it's a really important point that you make there. I think something we kind of wanted to do, because obviously body hair and the politics of body hair has been kind of discussed a lot as part of the feminist movement for you know for, for years decades even um and we really want to kind of analyze and, and discuss the landscape right now in terms of this discussion but also like look forward to what needs to change and i'd love to hear from you about like what you think needs how the conversation needs to kind of evolve around around body hair and, and in terms of making it kind of a more inclusive and, and safe place for people. I think personally, I feel that uh, any woman or man, cisgender or otherwise, should be able to walk around with the hair that they want on their body and not be policed for it and for it to be accepted. Like 100%, that's what I feel. But I think there needs to be a cultural shift because we are programmed to shave. It's through advertising. It's, it's everywhere. And so... And I don't want to kind of blame the patriarchy for that, but there oh, no, is still can. this. N- <laughs> okay, I mean, I don't want to <laughs> patriarchy bashing in terms of, you know, my feminism, you know, isn't kind of like one hundred percent against patriarchy all the time. However, I think that there is an expectation, um, and while there is a patriarchy, that that's an expectation that we all fall into in various yeah. ways. And until there's a massive shift in that system and that structure. I don't think things will change. Yeah, I agree. It it's such a complicated one. Something something else though that we wanted to touch on with you. You obviously really enjoy hair and makeup. Your Instagram is full of joy and celebrates those things in a lot of ways. Is hair removal part of that kind of self-care and grooming routine for you? Is it something that you enjoy or is it a chore? How would you which side of the fence would you sit on? Yeah, I was thinking about this earlier because actually my legs now, I would say, are due for a shave. So that means like there's visibly hair there and to touch it feels hairy. Now that doesn't freak me out and that doesn't make me go like, oh God, like, you know, that's not my femininity. It's just like, well, that's just my body. Like that's just how it is. And I work quite a lot at night. So finding the time in the day to say, this is my one hour, I'm going to have a bath and do my self-care routine, which will involve shaving. I was quite lucky in the sense that part of my transition is that I didn't need to go through vast amounts of hair removal. I know trans women that it's really difficult for them because their bodies are covered in hair over their backs, over their shoulders, over their arms, over their chests. And to have that hair removed is a very painful or pricey Uh, procedure and a lot of people just aren't afforded that privilege and that's also something to remember in these conversations because it can be very difficult for people to move from where they started to where they want to go. When you began your transition what was the first thing you changed regarding your body hair? When I first transitioned I had some great advice from a trans woman who uh, was a few years ahead of me in terms of her transition and one of the things she recommended me to do and I thought it was quite insignificant, but it made a huge difference. And she recommended I go and have my eyebrows threaded. And so that was the first change in terms of kind of what I saw as embracing much more of a female aesthetic in terms of my eyebrows. And that was quite daunting then going to a place to go through that procedure. Um, But it really made a difference. It really made a difference to how my face started to look and shape. And I was surprised because it wasn't something which I 
thought would have any major significance in any way. Did it change the way you felt as well about yourself? I think so, because it was when I was in those early stages of transitioning, I started to have a reflection back to me in the mirror of where I was going. And so those sort of small adjustments, like I've also said with my hair on my head, is like when I started to highlight my hair and could vaguely see something appearing in the mirror, which made me feel more comfortable about myself, that was definitely kind of the things which really made me feel like, yeah, this is happening. This is where I'm going. That's so lovely. So Rhiannon, we have one last question that we put to all of our podcast guests, and that is what makes you uncomfortable? What makes me really uncomfortable is the ocean at night. Oh, it's so pretty though. (laughs) (laughs) Tell us why. Because I think I have this kind of irrational fear that certain like really dangerous like animals are living below the ocean. And so I just don't find it really, I don't find it beautiful and tranquil. And recently, recently I was in the, um, Baltic Sea with some friends on holiday and they all went swimming in the sea at night and I just couldn't deal with it there was no way I was going in there for fear of feeling like (laughs) I don't know what's going to happen so it seems kind of really um yeah silly but it totally freaks me out I don't find it in any way shape or form like a soothing thing yeah there's nothing worse than when you kind of like want to go for a swim or like dip your or like walk into like a lake or something and then you can like feel like squelchy mud or like reeds or something underneath you. It's like supposed to be a really lovely experience and I just like yelp <laughs> the whole time. Um, but yeah, I'm with you on that now that you, now that you mention it. Uh, I just have such a vivid imagination that like, I think it stops me from embracing it. <laughs> well, I disagree, but I like the answer anyway. Thank you so much <laughs> for joining you. us. Yeah, it's been great. You're welcome. Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah, it was lovely. Thanks very much. I've been growing out all my body hair for a few months now. The main reason is because I realised I wasn't actually removing it for me. It's just so ingrained in us that women should be hairless. I was just doing it because I felt like I was supposed to. I got to a point where I just thought, it's my body, I'm going to do whatever I want with it. So I stopped shaving and I have had a few negative comments about it since then but I ended up making an Instagram account just about my body hair and I received so many positive comments about it. I feel like I'm helping to normalise body hair on women. I used to feel so much shame about my body hair, but I'm a lot more comfortable and confident in myself now. You just heard from Rhiannon Styles. She is currently writing her second book, Help, I'm Addicted, A Trans Girl's Self-Discovery and Recovery, which is due for publication in 2021. We're now joined by Aisha Mirza, who is a writer, DJ and trauma-informed counsellor. They're also the founder of Misery Party, a mental health collective and sober club night for queer, trans and non-binary, black, indigenous and people of colour. Aisha has been writing about body hair for over a decade from the perspective of a queer, non-binary person of colour. Aisha, thanks so much for joining us today. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. So growing your body hair out is not a new concept at all. As we've mentioned already today, um, you've been writing about body hair long before it became popular on social media. But for those listeners who might be unfamiliar, can you explain why this is largely seen as a feminist movement? 
Yeah, um, maybe I'll tell you a bit about how I got into it because I think I sort of fell into fell into it in quite a natural way. Um, and essentially, I remember being around 18, which is when I started kind of studying and writing about body hair and kind of, I had like a boyfriend at that time and for some reason I hadn't like shaved my underarms or something and he just kind of made a comment about it. He was like, what's this, you know? And I guess I'm just quite a curious person and I'm quite sensitive. I took it to heart, you know, and I was like, you know what? That's a good question. What is this? <laughs> like, what <Yeah>. is this? <laughs> let's <laughs> let's talk about it. Let's get into it. So that pretty much sparked like a decade long, <laughs> like <laughs> protracted answering of that question. But like, what actually is going on here? So like, I remember shortly after that, I got into the shower and picked up my razor as you do, like as you're taught to do kind of a second nature to like remove all the hair from my body. And I was just like, this is weird. Like this is, there's something weird about this. There's something off about this. I need to like dig a bit deeper. I need to, you know, so I started messing around with it. Basically my kind of general curiosity um, and like desire to ask myself this question of like, what is this? What's going on? And why does it feel weird? Sort of led me to, I suppose, understand global politics and like structures and, and truths about the world. And so, yeah, it's it's like very much a feminist issue. Um, it's a race issue. It's an anti-capitalist issue. It's it's a mental health issue. It's actually linked to so much like pain in the world. <laughs> so, yeah. We're also starting to see, I think, far more acute instances of gendered policing over body hair now. For example, like people even being worried about the hair on their arms, not just maybe your armpit hair, which was maybe the stereotypical thing. Why do you think society is so outraged by the sight of body hair, something so natural and so simple? It's just it's it's a lot of things. I think also it really benefits society for us to have these kind of imagined two genders where there's women and there's men, right? Um, we know that that's not true. We know that there are loads of intersex people who exist across the binary. There are trans people. There's a lot going on there. Gender is much more complicated than that. Um, but body hair is one of the most successful ways of like enforcing that division right so in f policing policing that gender it's it's visual it gives you a lot of visual cues about what someone's gender is supposed to be and therefore how they're supposed to be acting and therefore what their place is in society and what they are and aren't allowed to do it's all of that kind of stuff the knock-on effects are actually huge so again it like benefits a society which relies on like division of labor and like the subjugation of like women and everyone else who isn't you know a straight white man there's also a level of it that's just like psychological warfare on just like a very basic level because the fact that you know half the population if not more women and femmes are are going to get to a point where it, they're going to be told as a fact that their body hair isn't acceptable and it's just like a way of of life and it's just a necessity and like a fact of life that it is grotesque and it will need to be removed one way or another like that is just like deeply 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 ingrained in like most cultures at this point in the world and so that's telling those people whether it's like verbalized or not that they're that they're wrong right that that, that their default state is one of of like grossness and like dirtiness do you know what I mean so it's like that is so deep like on a psychological level to be like me just like hanging out with my body is wrong it's wrong and it needs to be corrected like that's so deep like I still can't get over that you know what I mean it's been years but I'm just like think about that for a second that's like that is such an incredible foundation on which to like 
tell us that we're rubbish again and again and again for the rest of our lives and we'll never be good enough. Do you know what I mean? It's it's very, it's very mad. It's also really important for us to acknowledge white privilege in this discussion about body hair. Can you talk a bit about the inherited and social pressures that women or non-binary people of colour might have to endure around this? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, I guess, what got me even more interested once I started thinking about it. I remember, like, I remember going home to my mum's house for the first time since when, after I started growing my body hair out and, like, she looked possibly the most disgusted out of anyone <laughs> in my whole life. You know, she was horrified. She was so disturbed, really. And it was when I was, like, looking into her eyes, I was like, there is something so deep going on there. And I kind of want to get to the bottom of what that is because it's, she's never looked at me like that before, you know? Um, And then I kind of dug into it and started reading studies and stuff. There are some really amazing studies done. There was like a professor at university in in Texas um, who did a study with her students, like a gender studies professor where she got them to grow their body hair out. The difference between the experiences of like the white girls and, and the girls of color was was really significant and the logs were so interesting for me to read through because there was like a lot of shaming from families for for the people of color who were taking part and a lot of that was to do with respectability and like the added pressure on those families to like need to get a job or need to be seen as acceptable in a society that already doesn't see you as acceptable you know because of your culture because of your skin color so like the weight of then like you know um complicating what you look like in that way or complicating the message that you're giving is just so much heavier um especially when you're already made to feel just like dirty and other and crazy and you know all of those sorts of things so yeah it's there's as as with everything there's like a whole bunch of other factors to be thinking about when you're thinking about the bodies of you know black people and people of color As a mental health advocate, can you tell us a little bit about the mental health burden that comes with body hair, particularly for women or non-binary people of colour? Yeah, I think it's it's kind of what I was um, talking about earlier a little bit. I think by default, your body as it grows, if you want to be successful, successfully seen as as a woman or, or a femme or even just desirable and clean, Um, and sane in society you have to make this change to it um I think that is like a huge huge mental health burden and I think there's also a headspace issue like I really do I'm really interested in all of those like little moments and like minutes and hours of mental admin that like marginalized and oppressed people have to do in so many ways like on top of all the mental admin that like women and femmes are doing anyway like when they are walking outside past 10 p.m like to make sure they don't get you know like there's so much mental admin going on already it's it's like another layer of that and I think it's it's kind of huge we're just used to accepting that but I know for me anyway and I think other people that I've spoken to you know decolonizing and like radicalizing to the point where you do feel comfortable like truly comfortable being in your skin and if that is being a bit hairy now and then or being very hairy all the time or whatever it is like that is a huge mental burden lifted thank you so much it's been it's been fascinating having you on and I think that um you know I've certainly um learned a lot from what you've been saying and I'm sure that like our listeners will too the um we put this question to 
all of our podcast guests and that is what makes you uncomfortable you know what I'm actually going to stay on topic for this one because I had to I shaved my legs for the first time since I don't know maybe like six six or seven months or something the other day because I had a job that I had to shave my legs for and I forgot how uncomfortable it is when it grows back I don't know if it's I've got quite thick curly hair so I don't know if it's just me but like the other day I was at dinner and I was like itching my legs the whole time and I remembered how how spiky and sharp it feels and it, it also reminded me of like um it's funny because I feel like we're kind of gaslit into believing that that removing hair is smooth, right? People often say like, oh, I like it because it's smooth. I want to be smooth. But like, I'm smooth for like 15 minutes, you know? And then it's just like quite <laughs> spiky yeah. and not smooth at all. And like, if I don't shave my legs, yeah. my my legs are just really smooth for ages. <laughs> you know, I was like, that's such mm. a weird, like miss, you know, rewriting of the truth, I feel like, because it's just not smooth. It's actually objectively not smooth. So I would say, yeah, mm. this, this stubble on my legs right now, it makes me really uncomfortable. Yeah, I would agree with that. You're right. Oh, I've never thought of it that way. <laughs> That was such a good answer. Um, thank you so much for joining us. As Brogan said, you've taught us so much. You've been brilliant. My pleasure. Thank you. Growing up, I had a monobrow and I went to a majority white school. So having body hair wasn't really widely accepted. It really made me feel ugly when, you know, kids in my school would criticise me for it. Um, so I kind of begged my mum, you know, please can I take my monobrow off? You know, please can I shave my moustache off? My relationship with body hair has definitely changed. I think seeing other women of colour embrace their body hair and not let it define who they are has really inspired me to just not think that body hair is everything, you know, and it's natural. That was Aisha Mirza. Please follow Aisha on at ugly in a hot way on Instagram. I think my main takeaway from that episode and that really fascinating um, interviews was that this is so much more than just a discussion around body hair itself. It's, you know, social, cultural, political, and that it's like a really worthwhile and vital conversation to be having. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Also, it just really highlighted for me that there's no right or wrong answer on this. So when Rhiannon was talking about enjoying the ritual of shaving, I was thinking, yeah, you know what, you're right. I quite like a good bath and a good shave. It is quite nice to have a bit of me time sometimes. And then Aisha began talking about capitalism. And I thought, no, they're right. I'm never going to shave ever again. And I just keep flipping and flopping. I can't decide, but maybe I don't need to decide. Maybe that's what I've learned from today. You know, it's just about doing what's right for you in the moment. Yeah. And I think it, while we would like to say that it kind of comes down to individual choice, I guess the reality is that for a lot of people, it isn't for a whole host of reasons, as we've discussed today, whether that's kind of like safety or family pressure or kind of um, pressure from the society that you live in. And that 
just kind of makes it such a charged issue and I mean I keep thinking about what Aisha was saying about like how it's so much more needs to change before women and femmes feel or are able to be kind of emancipated in that way from the kind of huge politics around body hair yeah it's it's a hell of a topic I'm really glad that I've learned a little bit more about it today though that's it from this season of Am I Making You Uncomfortable? We'll be taking a short break and picking up season two in autumn. Please subscribe to our podcast and give us a five-star review while you're waiting for us to come back on. I'm Brogan Driscoll and you can find me at Brogan underscore Driscoll. And I'm Rachel Moss and you can find me at Rachel Moss underscore. This podcast is produced by Rachel Porter. Our sound engineer is Harry Kimonos and our editor is John Johnston. You've just listened to Am I Making You Uncomfortable? And the hashtag is AIMYU. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.